This call is being recorded. What's up, everybody? It's the Locked On Sabres podcast, Joe DiBiase, joined again by Jordan Hanskin of the Meadville Tribune in Pennsylvania. And Jordan, do you have any idea why I brought you on today? Um, I just found out recently, actually, probably yeah, maybe that, five seconds ago. So, my, some my, this uh, guy is doesn't read the <laughs> doesn't read my articles that I post at one o'clock in the morning the night before. But it's all right. Oh, it's all right. I was out cold. <laughs> um, did what? You're not you're not going past uh, one a.m. these days. I try not to. I'm trying to. What's your What's your optimal optimal habits. bedtime? Optimal bedtime is what? Well, I work till about eleven thirty p.m. most nights, so. Probably around one. I can't, you know, just mm. go home from work and fall asleep. So sure. I need like an hour and a half to wind down. But gotcha. that's that's the goal. I, I, I see. I get that. Um, so the main reason I wanted to bring you on is, uh, you know, not just to have someone else to talk to here, but also the uh, – I I thought the topic of what I was going to go on with today is, uh, is kind of interesting and almost weird that – in doing this article that I did for WGR550.com, I discovered way more similarities, at least mathematically, not necessarily on the ice, to from this year's Sabres roster to the last Sabres team that made the playoffs in 2011. couple of stats for you before we get into this. because Actually, before I even do the stats, I'll do that um, a little bit later. Let's reminisce on really like how long it's been and that last team that made the playoffs because it's just so far in the past now and the team was just built way differently like it was some it was a lot of veteran players and you didn't have that superstar and you were still in an era where your goaltender was your best player and I don't really want the Sabres to go back to that type of roster build but um that team was uh interesting to say the least I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, looking back at it, I, I'm I'm actually looking at your article right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, just like I mean, Tim Connolly was still on the team. I mean, the the core was Vanek, Stafford, and Pominville. Really, Vanek and Pominville carried most of the offensive load. And uh, yeah, it's interesting. I guess like Tyler Ennis was the young guy. Yep. And what really actually, we'll talk about comparables in a, in a little bit here, but. Ennis was that player with upside at the time where like you kind of got a diamond in the rough. Like nobody expected Ennis to, I really think show up and score 50 points that season. Mm -hmm. Um, You don't really have that guy on your team right now where like, you don't really know what you have in him. Yeah. I mean, we sent Middlestat back to Rochester. I don't, I don't really know where you would get that surprise production from. Yeah. Because I think the guys that, you know, would be that wild card type player. I think we know what they are. That's like the Gergensons and Larson. And you're not, mm-hmm. you're just not going to get that per point production from them. No, so, you're not. Hash, by yeah. the way, on that team. Of course he was. They made the playoffs. <laughs> How many seasons did the Sabres make the playoffs when Yoke and Hash was on their team? Probably a lot. Uh, yeah. Well, he was like traded to the Sabres, what, like 2003, 2004? Yep. So huh? he was it's not as much as you think. He only played he only played 3 of his 10 seasons in the playoffs for the Sabres. I wonder <laughs> if he had an injury somewhere there and he only played one game in the in the 2011 um, That's right. Playoffs. He had concussions, yeah. yeah he was concussions. pretty much toast by them. He was like like one of the last of the old guard. 
Yeah, you know, double digit yeah. goals though, twelve goals, yeah. seventeen assists. Um, but yeah, you you had well, you had remnants, of course, from the from the two thousand six two thousand seven teams, including like Gostad gave you twelve goals that year, thirty one points, which is it was actually surprising. It was that much to me. You still had Connolly hanging around. You had Palmerville, Stafford, Vanek. I mean, you had um, Ryan Miller, of course, in net. So you had some leftovers from a really good team, and you supplemented that with veteran players. But I think the, you, no one ever really thought they were going to win the Stanley Cup, right? No, not at all. I mean, they were they ended up in seventh, right? Mm-hmm. They ended up yep. as a seventh seed, and they played. This was Philadelphia, and. I actually thought the matchup with Philadelphia was very good, and it turned out to be pretty good. I mean, they they went to seven. Um, I think I was just kind of hoping, you know, just survive in advance and just see what you could do against. I think they would have played Washington next with the reseeding. Yeah, I mean, the matchup was good. They got to play a team with, like, they switched three goalies throughout the series because their goaltending was so horrible. One of them was, uh, what's his name, uh, the guy in Florida oh, now. They they had uh Bobrovsky, well, they had Bobrovsky who was who was horrible. Which was he was starting. terrible. Yeah. They had uh Brian Boucher and Michael Layton. Michael Layton. Michael Layton yes. played in the final cup game where they lost to the Blackhawks. That that Flyers team made the Stanley Cup, which makes you wonder could the Sabres have made a weird run? You know, Miller gets hot. Stanley Cup playoffs are weird. Yeah, maybe. I, you had the goalie. I don't that think could so. Get hot. Yeah. But you, you just, did have they the weren't goal- very good. You need either you need one of two things to to achieve success in the Stanley Cup playoffs. You either need a loaded roster or you need a hot goaltender. And mm-hmm. Ryan Miller at that point was certainly a goalie capable of getting hot like that. And that's another um, that's that's a that's a aspect of that team that existed that does not exist on this current team. And we'll get into that again in a second. And like, what, could this? Could this current Sabres team replicate what that team did? Um, I'd be very hesitant to say that they are even capable of that because I, Miller, not only was Miller good that year, but I think people forget how good Jonas Senroff played down the stretch for the Sabres in that, in that playoff or in that playoff push. Um, Laleem started the season as the backup. And then remember we, there was this weird dance where Enroth was playing in Rochester. Laleem would back up. But whenever they needed Miller to rest, they would call up Enroth and start Enroth. So you really never had Enroth backing up anywhere. He was either starting in Rochester or he was starting in Buffalo. Um, and he played phenomenal down the stretch for them. He went 7-0-1. From, so from the exact point that the Sabres are at now, so their 49th game, that's from there on, Enroth went 7-0-1 down that stretch. And – not only do I not think Olmark maybe possesses the type of capabilities that Miller did, Carter Hutton looks more like Patrick Laleem right now than he does Jonas Enroth. <laughs> oh yeah, it's been it's been rough. I think the the goaltending I think is the biggest glaring difference between these two mm. rosters is that I mean the Sabers, you know, I think the most frustrating part about this team is actually like when they when they desperately need a save, you know, when they're getting you know peppered mm. or when they're trying to make their push and maybe being more aggressive. The, the other team gets their counter strike and they just they kind of just put it past the goalies. Uh, I think that's that's been just killer for the team. Like it just kills every ounce of momentum that you have, you know, in the third period. All right, I'm gonna quiz you here. How many of the twelve without making a mistake? Let's set the line at like 
just at the line that here, like five, there are 12 <laughs> Sabres that scored in the playoffs that year. Their last playoff series, 12 different Sabres scored. How many do you think you could name without making the, the flyer series? The flyer series. I think I could get seven. Seven without a mistake? Uh, All right. Yeah, I, I'll tough. set it there. I'll set it high. How about this? I'll give you seven without a mistake or all of them with three mistakes. So we'll do both there. So, all right. 12, so 12, guy, scored 12 guys scored. 12 guys scored. Okay. Coletta. Coletta, of course. The game that was one the first winner. One. Yeah. Patrick I, I Coletta, remember that all, game. He, all he does is score playoff uh, game winning goals. <laughs> uh, Vanek, obviously. Vanek scored five. He didn't have any assists that series, but he had five goals in seven, in seven games. Uh, I'm going to say. That was the most. Uh, Gerby, I feel like he got one. Gerby had two. Um, he only had two points the whole series, but he did have two, including that like wicked wrist shot in game six to give the Sabres the lead in the second period. And that was the moment I thought they were, they were going to win the series. They had the three <laughs> not, two not series going lead. Like, not going up like three, nothing in the first like minute. <laughs> oh, well, I guess that, yeah, <laughs> whatever. That game, that um, game is yeah. still one of the most, uh, disgusting uh, finishes <laughs> and not only was it bad for the game itself but it changed the course of saber history because then they went out and gave the contract to Billy Leno who just beat them <laughs> and it basically torched them for the next three years too and we oh. should have known too because his goal wasn't even that good he just kind of like smacked right. the puck into the net <laughs> he shoveled open. it in yeah. he just shoveled it in right okay so you got Gerby and Vanek so far no and uh and, and Coletta. Coletta uh Ennis is correct. Ennis had two, including he had a game winner as well. The last overtime playoff goal from the Sabers was Tyler Ennis, assisted by Mike Weber. Unbelievable. <laughs> um. Oh, I think this is a this is the weird one. Is uh, Niedermeyer? Niedermeyer. That was Game Six too. I think. Wasn't he it? only had one. He only had one. He had one goal <laughs> and three assists in seven games. In his so what am I at? Season. Like five. You are at five. You have Vanek, Ennis, Gerby, Niedemeyer, and Paletta. I, I'm going to – I think Pollenville had to have scored. Pollenville did, but he only got one. He only okay. played five games that series. Uh, I don't remember him being injured, but um, he must have been because he, uh, he only played five of the seven games. And then I'm going to say – I'm going to take a shot on a defenseman. I'm going to say Grignani. <laughs> Oh, good get. Grignani had a goal. Not only – listen to this. Listen to this. Not only did Grignani have a goal, he had six assists that series, meaning the last Sabres playoff series, Marc-Andre Grignani led them in scoring. That's unbelievable. How about that? How about that? Marc-Andre Grignani led the Sabres in scoring in their last playoff series. He had a goal I mean, and six assists. He played 22 fairness, minutes a night. Right, but in fairness, his like his skill was offense. He was like the yeah. he was the power play anchor guy. He That's was true. he he was like the setup man. But uh, I mean, it's still unbelievable that Grignani was playing twenty two minutes a night. It kind of explains why the Flyers at times would just pepper us with goal with shots. <laughs> yes, that would absolutely explain that, no doubt. So I got to seven. I got to I got to the number. I well, won. I set it at seven and a half though. I oh, so I have to get one more. You have to get one more. I'm gonna and... take. I'm gonna take a shot. This one I'm not confident in. I remembered Grignani's goal. I knew he scored one in the series. Okay. Because it was so. It was so random. I remembered that he scored. But I'm gonna. I'm gonna take a shot on another defenseman. I'm gonna say Myers. Just Myers I'm taking a shot. 
Myers did. He had one goal and five assists. He was actually second. <laughs> Surviving on, the team on these one goal guys, yeah. Well, what's funny is Vanek had five, NS had two, Gerby had two, everyone else had one. So Unbelievable. the only really source of consistent scoring that series was Thomas Vanek, who, by the way, I think he needs more respect looking back on how good he was in the playoffs for his Sabres career. That guy always showed up. And <laughs> I think he's the, the most series. underrated, yeah. The Boston series had his ankle broken in the first in the first game. He comes back two games later and he keeps scoring. Oh. Now you're on the radio. Don't you just miss when that Boston series is going on? That you know we were debating line changes and yes. matchups instead yes. of you know debating an existential who, who crisis traded. on the Sabers. Right. It, instead of who should be traded, it was who should play with Vanek. Who should center Vanek and Pomeroy? Oh, do we bring I Luke Adam up to do it? Like yeah, that that kind of stuff. Um. Okay, so let's see if you can get them all. You've got – that's eight. I need four let's, more. You need four more to get them all. Everyone else okay. has one. I'm going to say – I'm going to take another shout-out defenseman, uh, Sakara. Sakara is correct. He only played two games that series. Um, I think he was injured too, and then uh, – I assume he was injured two games. And then, um, yeah, he had one goal, so you got Sakara. Okay, that this is where I, this is where I think I'm I think I'm toast now. I don't I don't think I got anything else. I'm gonna say Jordan Leopold. Jordan Leopold is incorrect. Jordan Leopold okay. had one assist in five games. So there's your mistake. There um, the other two, there are three that you're missing. Uh, Cody McCormick had a goal. I can't even imagine what that looked I like. Don't know what that looked like. Uh, Drew <laughs> Stafford had a goal. Oh, I should have gotten Stafford. That's that's bad on me. And then the last Sabres playoff goal was scored by none other than a Mr. Brad Boys. <laughs> Brad Boys scored the last Sabre playoff goal in game seven against the Flyers. It was already away from them. The Philly got out way in front. And then, uh, yeah, Boys from, let me get the, Boys from Roy and Myers is the Sabres' last playoff goal. <laughs> I thought that was going to be a great uh, deadline acquisition. To be honest, I I liked Brad Boys's game in St. Louis, and then mm. I don't know what happened to the to the poor guy. It seems like that was the classic Darcy Regeer trade deadline move that just didn't really do anything. That series is so weird to look at the score sheet. I'm just looking at that game seven uh, uh, scoring log. The first goal is Coburn from Briere, then it's Briere from Rich, Mike Richards and Claude Giroux, then it's Van Riemsdyk from Giroux and Pronger. Um, then it's Leno, then it's Myers from Stafford and Hesh, and then it's Daniel Carcillo from Christopher Stieg. So yeah, there's a lot of, uh, interesting individuals in that series that I completely forgot were even in that series. All right. A, little, a few more comparables from that team to this team is this current Sabres team capable of going on the run that it, that 2011 Sabres team went on to make the postseason. We'll get into that after this. It's the Locked On Sabres podcast, Joe DiBiase and Jordan Hanskin. All right, welcome back to the Locked On Sabres podcast, Joe DiBiase at Sneaky Joe WGR on Twitter, Jordan Hanskin at JR Hanskin, right? Yep. JR Hanskin, H A N S G E N. You can follow him on Twitter um, for some good Sabres and Bills takes. And We've already talked about the 2011 team a lot. So here are some of the almost eerily um, weird weird similarities between um, this current Sabres team and that team mathematically. This current Sabres team has 51 points in 49 games with a negative seven goal differential. That 2011 team 
had the same 51 points in 49 games with a negative seven goal differential. That 2011 team finished the season with 96 points, which at the time actually gave them a nice cushion. That was actually five points ahead of uh, the first team that missed the playoffs, Carolina. But 96 points that they finished with then is the current playoff pace in the Eastern Conference. So we have a benchmark. We know what the Sabres have to do. Over their final 33 games in 2011, that Sabres team went 28-5. and That was enough to make the postseason. That exact same record this year would probably get the Sabres in. It would depend then on tiebreakers, but it could could very well get them in. Um, But the bigger question there is, is this Sabres team capable of going 28-5? and And I just haven't seen near the evidence that this roster is as capable as that one was. Yeah, it's it's kind of crazy to think about 28 and 5 doesn't seem that impossible, but I just don't I don't think they're defensively capable of doing it. I think the Sabres that back then, they actually had a decent defensive core. They had veterans and you know, they they were they were pretty solid on the back end and they had the key I think though is they had Ryan Miller coming off of Vezina a year. Mm-hmm. They they had a goalie that could, you know, lock it down and really, really frustrate the opponent. And the Sabres really just needed, you know, to grind out two goals, three goals. Give me give me three and you should win. I mean, the Sabres this year, they've been they've been on the losing end of like six four or six five games. And right. I just I think that, that I think that wears on a team is when your your offense puts up five and you still lose. I think that I think that's that really frustrates, you know, guys like Eichel. Um I think that they they just don't have the depth the that's uh, necessary to you know make a playoff push like that. I, I agree. I, I just don't think they have it. And a couple of things that you look at from that team over the course of that stretch. So uh, some other statistics from that 2011 team that I just don't think are reputable. The starting goalie Ryan Miller, his record wasn't phenomenal. It was 14 eight and four, which is pretty good. Um. A 921 save percentage, which was top 10 in the league over the course of that stretch. Jonas Enroth played great, 7-0-1 in that stretch. They didn't really <laughs> have to start Patrick Lean, but 7-0-1, which you're not getting from Carter Hutton. Um, and then the scoring depth. I, I posted in the article that I did the the point totals in, from the top 10 Sabres in that, in that final 33 games, and there was just it wasn't just one guy at the top that was just phenomenal like the Sabres have currently with Eichel like they went 10 deep Vanek 34 points in his final 32 Stafford 29 points in his final 32 Pominville 25 points in his final 33 Ennis in the final 33 22 points Connolly 22 points Myers 17 Gerby 17 Sakara 17 Gostad even at 16 and then the trade deadline acquisition of Brad Boys he wasn't great the year after and in the playoffs, but he had 14 points in 21 games. Like he was no slouch either. And name me 10 Sabres right now. that are going to be at least, you know, at like a four, like a, a point every other game the rest of the season, because I'd struggled to get, I think six names out of, uh, out of the Sabres team right now. Yeah. I think you're really the only, you can only trust, you know, Eichel and the guys that Eichel plays with. It's Reinhardt and then the power play of guys. That's pretty much, that's pretty much it. Everything else, you know, you're just hoping for that. You can't, you can't rely on that scoring from them. And, and really that team, 
I, I don't necessarily think um, again, that that's the blueprint I want to build my team after, but, and they weren't like loaded with stud playmakers, but they had creators. They had a bunch of them. Um, you know, Roy could create his own offense. Connolly could create his own offense. Vanna could create his own offense. Ennis could do it. Gerby could do it. They had Myers could do it. They had a bunch of guys that had that capability. And I feel like when I look at the Sabres team right now, I'm like, who can really create for themselves? Eichel can do it, obviously. I even have questions whether Reinhardt can do it. Um, Olofsson and Skinner are more guys that play off of their centermen rather than driving their own play. Dahlin can do it from the back end, but and Johansson can do it. But I've maybe named you three guys that I think can do that on a consistent basis. Even your depth guys like Sherry and VC and Oposo and Giergensens, um, I think Bottrell tried to go out and add offensive players this offseason, but his problem was he didn't go after guys that drove their own play. Even they didn't have to be superstars that drove their own play, but just guys that drove their own play. I I don't even see a guy in the organization right now, other than Casey Middlestat that you could call up and say, I can get that from you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, that's a serious problem. Would it be crazy to, you know, maybe have Reinhardt go back to center? No, I've I've been screaming for him to go back to center all season. Because not only not only right, but like not only can he is he is he a playmaker or what that's what he was supposed to be when he when he got drafted, is that you get to see what he can do going into a contract. You get right. to see if he can yes. if he can be a backup center. And I think that that's uh that's critical because you know, the, it's it's a tough run to the playoffs. You but you you'd rather uh, analyze your roster and see what you to- what you really have in Reinhardt that he's not just you know Eichel's wingman that he he can actually you know support his own line. And I think that that's that's actually more important to the success of the future Sabers than you know going twenty eight and five right now. Yeah. That's exactly right. And to me, even if you look at it on the short term, how have you not even tried it? Like you were willing to move Marcus Johansson's position because you put the team need over the per- the player need. You you decided that even though Marcus Johansson is at his best on the wing, that he was a better option for you at center than anybody else you could put in that spot. Well, if you were willing to do that with Marcus Johansson, why are you not willing to do that with Sam Reinhardt? Because again, maybe he's not at his best on the wing, but he is easily your second best option down the middle right now. And to me, that's where the team need should come ahead of the player need. It's not like, I mean, really, if you put him on a second line at center with Johansson on his right wing and Skinner on his left, you think Reinhardt's is going to suddenly go from like a 60 point player to like a 30 point player. Like to me, it's crazy to think that he would hit production would just see a big drop because he would be put in that spot. And um, it should yeah. benefit Skinner. Who's, you know, right. For his standard has been, you know, disappointing. And I think it's not necessarily just because of him, but he needs a playmaking center. It's just that's just what his position is. Exactly. He's a goal scoring winger. He needs and, he needs somebody to set him up. And all he's had this season is Marcus Johansson, and thirty percent of his ice time this year has come with Vladimir Spotka, who's the worst player offensively <laughs> in the maybe entire organization. So yeah, he's not getting a lot of help. And I think that would help him. Like, hey, if you're not gonna give him Michael, that's fine. But can you at least give him Reinhardt? Like, can you at least help him out a little bit? Um, so yeah, I like I like your idea there. I think that Reinhardt should absolutely be put back at center. We'll we'll continue to talk about center actually a little bit in the in the as before we wrap things up here. The trade deadline's under a month away. I want to get Jordan's opinion on um, 
should we go for like a Brad Boys type of move here? What, what, how far out would they need to be to go for that type of move, or should they go for a more long-term option at center? That's after this on the Lockdown Sabres podcast with Joe DiBiase and Jordan Hanskin. All right, welcome back. Last few minutes here on the Lockdown Sabres podcast. Joe DiBiase from WGR 550 and the Lockdown Sabres podcast, of course. Lockdown NHL podcast also, which we just recorded this morning. You can check that out um, wherever you're listening to this. Just search Lockdown NHL. You'll find it. And uh, Jordan from the uh, Meadville Tribune. And, um, of course, from here and big Sabres and Bills fan. And the trade deadline is now under a month away. And since we're kind of been comparing this Sabres team to that 2011 team all season, um, they were back in it by the trade deadline and they weren't in a spot, but they were within four points when they hit the trade deadline. And I wonder your opinion on this, but I I would imagine it's similar to mine. I think that's about where I would need the Sabres to be, to think about like a type of buyer's move is I think you need to be at least four points, maybe five out. So basically you've got to cut the gap in half from what it is right now to, Mm -hmm. I think, convince me that you should be a buyer at the deadline. Yeah, I think that's right. Um, I don't even know if they would even consider being buyers. Everything that I've seen from Botterill tells me he's uh, a little bit too uh, patient, a little bit too uh, mm-hmm. too uh, meticulous about these moves. And I think being a buyer is not necessarily a bad thing, but you just got to make sure you get term. I think right. that's that's the key is that you don't want to just get rentals. That's not where the Sabres should be at. They should be looking at, you know, a 27-year-old with, you know, maybe two years or something. A, but then again, a lot of teams aren't willing to give up guys like that. So uh, right. that's that's kind of the problem is that the NHL, it's really an NHL problem as a whole. It's not just the Sabres problem is that the Sabres are probably looking for guys that teams just don't want to move because they like being – they like yeah. being patient. Well, almost if they were able to get that point total cut in half by the deadline, I almost would even be okay with them going for a rental type of move. I think what you're talking about is a lot more appealing. Um, and I would love them to do that, but it's a hard, it's harder to accomplish. They almost to me would not be, they would be um, okay. Taking a page out from the bills. And if you think about, when Bean first, Brandon Bean first gets here, the Bills general manager, they did not expect to be good that first year. But once they found themselves off to a hot start and they found themselves in a playoff race and they went looking around like, all right, you know what? We we can break this playoff trial. Like, hey, we're not trying to um, win the Super Bowl yet, but we can end this playoff drought. So let's go add Calvin Benjamin at the trade deadline, which of course did not work out. But the idea of it at the time was let's trade a draft asset that – would probably help us in reaching our ultimate goal because we think it's important to end this playoff drought and we're going to go for it. And I wonder if the Sabres can get within striking distance, if they'll have that same type of thinking that, Hey, yeah, maybe this is not the team that we think can do a lot of damage if we make the playoffs, but damn it, let's, let's end this playoff drought and let's go get, you know, John Gabriel Pajot, who's a rental from Ottawa. Let's go grab Wayne Simmons. Like, let's go get a guy that we think can help us break this playoff drought because fans are sick and tired of this playoff drought. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you know, Benjamin's really become a punchline, but he did help the team make the playoffs that year. It's undeniable that he made critical touchdown catches. Mm -hmm. And one of which got taken back by the way. One of which got taken back in a game that we <laughs> probably could have won if he scored yeah. that. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I think that the move, I would, I would accept anything really. I want, I want different <laughs> than what. Yes, 
I want different than what we've been seeing. I want, and Botterill should know that. Botterill should know that he's kind of fighting for his job here. Um, I think he's not acting like it. I know, but I think making a so that makes me wonder: is he actually fighting for his job here, or are the are the Pagulas, you know, yeah. trusting in his vision, whatever that may be, whatever he's selling them on? Um, but I think making a playoff push here just to show that you're competitive and that the team has taken strides is critical for the organization and the really the fans. I think that, like you said, mm-hmm. it's it the fans are disgusted right now. I think right. that I I don't think morale's been any lower because yeah, it, there's not even there's not even the hope of Dalin at this point because they're too good. They're too good to get. They're in they're in the worst spot you could be in the NHL. It's like eighth last. And and you're not coming anywhere near the bottom. I, I've said this uh this week that the Sabres have five get five game homestand here, three of which are against teams below them in the standings, Montreal, Ottawa, and Detroit. And then uh if you expand that out, eight of their next nine are um are at home. And if you can't take advantage of that over the stretch, like to me, you've got to win four out of the five minimum. And then if, if they don't do that, I'm going to start thinking about who's below me and how much, how high I can get in the draft order. And that's basically where we've lived for the last 10 years. Um, but you're not touching last place because it's amazing to me how bad Detroit is. They still only have 28 points. Like historically it is, bad. It's January 28th and they have 28 points. So you're not touching the last place team, but um. Maybe we'll get back to that point. Oddly, I I kind of envy their position. Detroit, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> to be honest, well, one they have they have Eiserman now, so I trust right. what they're going to build from the ashes of this this yes. uh, this tank here. But uh, yeah, I mean that's just that's kind of that's super disappointing. Is that I envy Detroit, who is horrible. It's sad. Yeah, it's definitely sad. Yeah. All right. Uh, thank you, Jordan. And um, we will uh, chat soon. Maybe we'll talk more about the trade deadline uh, before we get to that. Um, I will talk to everybody here after the Sabres play the Ottawa Senators tonight for a 7 p.m. puck drop. And um, again, this is a bad team, so I will be probably in a pretty bad mood if they don't end up winning this game here tonight, which I will be in attendance for. So thanks everyone for listening to today's podcast, and I will talk to you tomorrow. It's been the Locked On Sabres podcast with Joe DiBiase, part of the Locked On Podcast Network.